Welcome to Level Up, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and the faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We will explore the many adversity that each one of us experience and share our story to inspire and inform. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Jason's yep. back. Okay, yeah. it looks like we're live, guys. We're rolling. Live. We are live. How are you guys doing? Absolutely fantastic. We're living the dream. Life can't get any better. All right. Seriously, it's our first time. We got tech issues. We're trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out for the first oh, yeah. time. You know what? That's the best thing about live shows. They're live and we just go and wing it. They're live for, yeah, they're live for a reason. That's it. <laughs> I know. That's why it's I like, okay, shows. whatever happens. Oh, my gosh. So, so welcome to our first Level Up Conversations. Um, and I'm so glad that you're here. I wanted to introduce everyone. Okay, um, and how we came about as a group, really, right? It's about LinkedIn. So our discussion topic today is human-centric leadership. It's about grit. It's about failure and self-awareness. Okay, so Mr. Joseph, start introducing yourself, sir. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, depending on where you're watching. I know some people like Java here are, are way late in the in the night, I believe. But anyways, my name's Joseph Gonzalez. Um, I'm basically the owner of In The Game Group. It's a coaching and consulting firm that I opened up quite recently, and it's really taken off in the organizational space and the one-on-one -on -one coaching where I level up everybody's game. Um, they call me for motivation. They call me to build, uh, optimize, and align teams, and it's going very well. Um, how we came about? Simple. LinkedIn, the number one platform in the world. The reach is unlimited. Depending on what your vision, your mission, and your goals are, LinkedIn is the platform to be on. I met Jason quite some time ago on LinkedIn. We've been exchanging. We had a virtual coffee. We have similar interests, similar visions, similar, you know, missions to serve, live to serve, serve to live. And this is the great thing about this platform. Also, Constance. I met Constance on this platform as well. I was on her podcast and um, it was an amazing experience. And I look to share anything and everything that I can and add value to our community. And today I've had the fortune of meeting Zavahir. Once yeah, I, I look at his profile, I search his profile. He's really doing big things. I'm just going to try to hang out and keep up with you three. You guys are the experts. <laughs> Likewise. Thank oh, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. It's an honor. This is great. And live is the way to go. Right. And um, like you said, LinkedIn is where it is. And all three of you actually have been on Level Up, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, the next one is over here. Introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a privilege to be on your podcast for the second time, Constance. And um, absolutely an honor to meet Jason and Joseph. Uh, well, uh, I think we met, you know, via uh, one of my posts on leadership because we share similar purpose and interest, I think, all, all three of us. And uh, that's where, you know, we took things ahead and then you invited me, okay, for the podcast, talking about leadership, education, and a lot of other aspects on emotional intelligence. Um, so it was uh, my first podcast and it was an exhilarating journey, you know, I would say, an experience. Um, I think today is going to be a great moment for value creation, if I may put it that way, because we have so many um, hot topics and burning issues to be discussed with. And these are, you know, the in things today, which are discussed across uh, social media platforms like LinkedIn. So I'm looking forward, okay, to give as much value and, uh, you know, put in my best and uh, give rich content, you know, to people to go ahead, think, analyze, reflect uh, about, you know, the topics that we are discussing. So once again, uh, absolute pleasure. A little bit about me, I'm going to make it short because I think we lost a little time. Uh, I'm a curious, compassionate, avid learner of any knowledge that aligns with my purpose, uh, my ethos, my persona. And uh, I've been in the HR, L&D, uh, organizational development field for the last 15 years. So the reason I'm very happy 
and it's gratifying because it transformed me from the inside out. It helped me to transform people from the inside out. And I use the word transform because there's nothing remaining, you know, when you transform and change, something remains. So uh, my other hobbies are aviation, wildlife, yoga sciences, psychology. All of yeah. the above. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks. Last but not least, Jason, bring it. Yeah, so my name is Jason Hurley. I work in marketing. I oversee our branding and communication. I have a background in change management, product development, and learning and development. Um, I've been in the insurance industry for 16 years. All about adding value. Um, if you follow my posts, it's really just value, value, value. Um, LinkedIn is great. Uh, when I started LinkedIn, they said, one of my mentors told me, hey, if you're going to build your community, build it based upon value. Don't get caught up in the numbers or anything like that. And, you know, the rest is history. So thank you, Constance, for having me. And I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. Thank you guys so much. Um, I don't really want to introduce myself. You guys already know me. Nothing, nothing <laughs> to introduce. I want a lot of things. Um, but what I can say is that my journey began for me seeking a better way to communicate with my team. That's how it started in February. And I created a summit. I thought oh, 10 people are going to show up. It's never happened before in a hundred year, 130 something year school. 210 people show up. I was surprised. Um, so I said, you know, you're right. When, when you just show it what the value of the conversations are, people will show. It might not be what you expected. It would be the unexpected. But if you're adding value to their life, they're going to show up. So that's what I've learned. Then I went through a podcast because I really want people to have listening skills. Sometimes when we're talking like this, people are not really listening. They're formulating things in their head. I want them to pay attention and really listen. And when you do a podcast, you're doing something else. You're listening. So that's what I did with the podcast. And it just grew from there because I have passion for helping. And like what Joseph said, why not bring it to the world? You know, sharing is caring. Why not bring it to the world? And any information is information, either good or bad. You actually can decide that as a person if you want to, right? So that's how I came about. And I am writing my third book on leadership breakdown. So this is a great conversation, right? So let's start with human-centric leadership. Zeva here, take us there. Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks, Constance, for the opportunity. So um, human-centric leadership or, uh, you know, heartfelt leadership or, you know, humanizing leadership, well, I think this is a hotbed for discussion here. So let me, you know, deep dive, let's delve and, you know, answer, you know, why are we talking about human-centric leadership? Uh, well, I think uh, if I trace back three years ago, um, May 2019, uh, World Health Organization, uh, they um, officially recognized uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, which amounts to high level of stress as employee burnout. And it was officially uh, termed, okay, as an occupational phenomenon, which means, you know, uh, high level stress resulting from um, extreme work and, you know, pressures that can mentally, physically, and emotionally debilitate you and completely incapacitate you, you know, from doing work. And subsequently in 2020, uh, it took an unprecedented event, uh, you know, an unknown force like the pandemic, which is a great disaster, to um, see leadership, you know, with a renewed uh, lens, you know, because why, why I say so is because the, with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people went into the reset and rewire and all of this mode. But if I see, you know, the pandemic, it has helped us, you know, to see. Uh, you know, with a renewed, you know, lens to reinstate leadership, you know, the lost ethos of leadership today. Now, the question people have is, was this required? Okay. And was leadership not doing, you know, a whole lot of leadership not doing what it was supposed to be, you know, doing their ethos, you know, of leadership. So um, if I, as an HR L&D person, uh, view leadership, you know, from, from a general lens uh, or, okay, from a refreshed a perspective, then who is a leader? A leader in simple terms is a caregiver. And I correct me, you know, if I'm 
if I'm wrong, you know, it's caregiver. And leadership is not like parenting. You wear many hats, you know, of a coach and a guide and a teacher and a mentor. Uh, and it's not about, you know, too much of certain leadership. So we say human leadership. And when we say human, it's more about, you know, the heart. And the heart, you know, signifies or it's, it's a symbol okay, of service. So, so, so those leaders, you know, to me, who, who reflect or bask, okay, in, in this kind of a, uh, a paradigm or, you know, the spirit of service, they truly reflect, you know, human-centered leadership. So that's a, that's a little bit of the preview. Now, um, definition in its simplest is we are, okay, moving, human-centric leadership is all about moving from uh, an employee value proposition, okay, and an individual value proposition to more of a human value proposition, you know, where you as a leader, okay, recognize what are the needs of an employee and you align it to the organizational needs and ensure that the alignment takes place so that you can execute your strategy, tie back, okay, your strategy to your culture, okay, and execute, you know, your people side of the business, okay, and your, you know, annual operation side of the business. Um, so I, as a leader, and today, if I see uh, people are wanting, you know, leaders to shift their paradigms and break, you know, from the old clutches of, you know, stifling cultures and things like that, uh, to more of uh, being, you know, focused on people, which means you, you put the soft skill part, okay, of the human. And as I say, you put the human back in the business and that's humanizing business. So you put the soft part, skill part of the, of, of the person, you know, back into business. And the way you do it is that, you know, you connect by, you know, showing the warmth and the trust and, you know, the belonging and building purpose and creating, most importantly, the psychological safety for your people. And I feel, um, and, you know, it, it's a very general addressal out here that there are three things as a leader, as a human-centric leader, you do is you create a, 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 a model or a paradigm, okay, of, of being, you know, the becoming, you know, and the belonging. So, so you know, the, the being is your, your values and beliefs and the assumptions that you set. So these are like the mental models that you create for your people. Uh, because unless and until, you know, you don't have a maxim or a mental model, you know, people are going to go astray. How are you going to align people you know, to the culture of being heart-centric? So the being is the beliefs and the, and, and the assumptions and you know the underlying factors and the behaviors. And you know you, you want them to become something. So you enable the talent through the learning and the growth and you know, the L&D and you know, the other talent interventions. And then you create and foster you know, belonging, which is the identity. And this is, I think, the most important factor and the daunting task for leaders today how do you create a sense and a purpose that you belong? So three questions to ask. You know, uh, I, I put this in my post a couple of months ago, you know, as a mini culture test. And I said, as an employee and as a leader, you know, am I safe here? Do I belong here? Do I have a shared purpose out here? This answers a whole lot of question and you don't have to go through, you know, all those hoops of, uh, you know, assessments and things like that. So um, I think, uh, the, the human-centric leaders, okay, are the ones who, in very, very, you know, lucid terms, they make people in the situations better through their counsel and advice, through their beliefs and through their consistent actions. Because as John C. Maxwell says, you know, leadership is influence out here. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we know about the good to great leaders and then the great leaders go to the extraordinary. But the good to great leaders, they don't, um, what you say, you know, aim to be iconic and ceremonious. They are the leaders, the heart-centric leaders who do, uh, you know, uh, the extraordinary things, the ordinary people who do extraordinary things and they produce consistent results and they, they, they build, you know, the teams on values. And I think when Jason was uh, introducing, uh, you know, some you build the teams on values and not on victories. And, you know, you lead with the trust because trust is a beautiful thing and trust is all that it is. Yeah, take it away, Jason. Like, tell us how you focus your efforts as a leader, like a human-centric leader. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? So for me, um, I know people want to be seen, heard, and understood. And I think as a leader, if you understand that, first and foremost, how you handle that, 
um, may look different for me to see them. I have to actively listen and figure out what their needs are. And then for me to hear them, I have to embrace their value that they bring, um, their diversity, their uniqueness. Everybody has value. And I think as a leader, you need to embrace that. And then last but not least, to understand them, you need to be able to give a space and place and an opportunity for them to showcase their value, to showcase their uniqueness, to showcase their diversity. And I think help them towards their success. And it aligns with everything else, with the, with the organizational goals, with everything. But I think if you could see hear and understand your employees or or just anybody you come in contact with as a leader and do it the right way i think you're way ahead of the game i can't hear you constance uh i think you're on mute constance yes of course, I'm on mute. Come on. <laughs> this is live. I wanted to say thank to Gwendolyn. She said hello. Nadia said hello, everyone. Hi, Joseph. And then Will, how'd you? Was in another invite. Uh, so glad that Will is here. But Joseph, what are the yes. tools that you would use to advise leaders on how to be human-centric leader? You want me to tell you the tools I use? You, yeah. You, ready for Boom. <laughs> you know, there's only one way I live my brain. But look, Zava here touched on a lot of information. So did Jason. But leadership in its simplest forms, anybody in any organization can be considered a leader. They don't have to have a title position or any or any type of compensation. Because as we know, in any organization, the bottom line are the people that work within the organization. What I've walked into in several instances in organizations where you have these old school type of gentlemen or young ladies or younger ladies that have been in a position for X amount of time that they think that they have a stronghold on the ultimate or the last word within the organization. So those those individuals, when I walk in, those are the ones that will kind of like buck up a little bit on me and don't want to understand the newer concepts of what or how an, an organization should operate. So my strategy has always been to provide, number one, a safe and trusted work environment for all, be a diverse and inclusive organization where everybody has a seat at the same table that the CEO, the C-suite, or those executives are, and everybody has the same voice. Right. So when so I bring those concepts within the organizations, most of the times, the ones that don't, or have a little bit more of a difficult time having an outsider Joe come in and try to level up their organization, they want to have a tendency to listen. Because when they, they are open to listening, at that point in time, I'll throw in two key words that, bit, that get tossed around, relevant or irrelevant leadership. When they understand that in today's day and age, the leadership styles have transitioned over time, not that they've changed, because a leader should have been already on board 30, 40 years ago. It's not now. Now it's being made more popular by the new brand or the new style of ex-leadership that is being brought about. The younger generation is growing. I'm an old guy. I have to adapt, adjust, and accommodate the new style of leadership that's been bringing, bringing on board. Because at the end of the day, the new people that are coming within the organizations are the one that eventually will rise up and take over. So the mental aspect or the mental approaches is where I go key on is to let them understand that yesterday's style will not work in today's environment because we all toss around the words empathetic, caring, sharing, open, active listening. Those are the skills that leaders today's world in today's world must encompass in order to scale or continue scaling an organization in today's environment. There's a huge difference between scale and scaling an organization. Scale, we'll break it down just a little bit. Scale is when you're spending 80% of your time managing your workforce and only 20% trying to grow the business. Scaling is when you've already, you're trying to replicate the growth 80% of the time and only 20% managing the workforce. That's where your greatest gains are. So that's where the new leadership and the new minds and the new technology and everybody come together and you scale the business and you just let it run based on the acceptance, the changes, the empathetic, the caring, the sharing, the family, 
Another thing, people over profits is key in today's society. It's not profits over people like it was back in the days. So those are some of the things that I use on human centric leadership. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So when Sava here actually, you know, said, hey, we should have a talk about human centric leadership. And I said, okay, that's a, actually a great conversation because it's very specific. And then when the words gets tossed around, I always have to think like, okay, do I exemplify that? What does that mean to me? Right? And so when I think of human-centric leadership, I think of building trust and growth. Those are the two things that comes in mind. Absolutely. And then I think, okay, what does that really mean to me, right? And it's understanding each of my employees when I was a dean, their feelings, their needs, and their goals, whether it's for the organization's goal or for their personal growth goal, right? and focusing on the person first rather than on the task. That's how I see human-centric leadership, right? And you, like you said, you need to show empathy and the desire to create that real win-win situation for both. I think human-centric leadership should focus on the people and then the task. But how do we do that? How I do that? I create trust, especially when there's a lot of rapid changes going on with like, we're going to go in person. Wait, no. We're going to go hybrid. Wait, no. We're going to go online. Wait, no. We're going to go back to in-person hybrid and online now, right? So creating that trust so that when there's rapid changes, my employees and my team can keep up with it and know that their mind, their professional development, their feelings, and their needs is my first priority. Exactly. Right? There's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it. No, and diversity. I love diversity. Because, like, look at this, right? right. Uh, because you, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. Jason doesn't know everything. And Zava here doesn't know everything. But if we put all of our minds, all of our experiences in different domain market, different industry, different specifics, right? And different wisdom, that diversity can innovate, can grow, can make an action item like this live, Right. Absolutely. That's exactly, Absolutely. Why, that's exactly one of the reasons the world goes round because of the diverse and inclusive mindset. Because if I don't allow myself to learn from Jason, Dava, hear from you, what good am I? Right. I'm, I'm secluding myself from boxing me in to, to no growth. And to me, that's completely, that's a disaster. So when right? you run a leaders or so-called leaders that do not accept the new changes, the new diverse, the new inclusivity, the empathy, the care, and the sharing, the safe and trusted, you know exactly what decisions are making. They're going to become irrelevant. They need to step away. The next one on mine is empowerment, right? When you have committed employees who trust you, who's diverse, you need to empower them to do their job. Forget micromanagement. That's just like the, the number one killer of innovation, right? I like to empower people to do their best. By, by using that human-centric leadership style, right? What are your needs? How are you going to achieve this need? And just encourage and coach them. Not necessarily like you have to do this, but encourage and coach them of where they need to be. What's our common goal, right? For this team, for our team, our common goal is just to inspire and talk about these things. But for others, it might be different. The strongest enforcers at the time and someone else's to do what? Let them be free. Let them be themselves. Let them come out and show Absolutely. what they're about. Absolutely. Why would, I yeah. not, like, why would I not want to give Savahir, Jason, and Constance the opportunity to be themselves? You're free. Let's go. This is you. Bring the best of you every day. That's Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when you lead with trust, uh, the rest falls in place, uh, you know, Jason and Joseph and Constance. And um, one of the things, you know, with human-centric leadership is that it, it's, you know, it, it works one from, you know, as I said, you know, the heart, which is a spirit of service. Apart from that, you know, you need to have a very strong execution management system because that is like a framework and the scaffolding, you know, where you align the daily initiatives and the tasks to your people. So you, you take care, you know, to complete the business side. And then how you make people accountable and you give them the guided freedom, as you're saying, the autonomy, I call it guided freedom. 
you know, as we say, responsible, free, uh, you know, freedom uh, is, is is something which is very very important. We just don't say freedom. So, having said this, uh, it's it, it's a job. It's the accountability of of heart centric leaders to kind of create that you know the social covenant you know between employees and employers to understand each other's needs and align you know everybody on the same path. And you know, trust is everything. So, so you a that you know you have the trust and psychological safety. You're building purpose, uh, you know, and you, you kind of energize it, uh, and you live with the purpose. And uh, the third thing is, you know, the belongingness, because a you know all this is again you know byproduct of thing which is called vulnerability. So these are all the elements. It's a, it's a play of elements. You know, that's what I call and that makes you a very, very kind of a heart-centric or people-focused, people-centric leader. Awesome. Well, now between the trust, the diversity, the empowerment, the team building, that's what we're doing here. But let's talk about grit. And I want Jason to start us off and talk about grit. Go for it. Yeah, so grit's fun. Um, If you look at the definition of grit, you'll probably come up with, it stands for courage is the character. And what I love about grit is it looks different on everybody. Uh, for me, some of the characteristics of grit is to have courage, um, even if that means standing alone. I think somebody that has grit, they're going to have a certain level of courage within them. I think perseverance is also found in grit, uh, the ability to keep moving forward. Uh, so many times with perseverance, we just think, hey, we're just going to go one speed. But that perseverance looks different. And I think even now it's so important when you talk about perseverance to also talk about, hey, it's okay to wait some time before you take that next step. Take a break. That doesn't mean go backward, but gain your thoughts because when you persevere, it's you. there's a certain level of, hey, you need to be able to have your rest and show up the best that you can every day in and day out. I think within grid is found resiliency. Everybody loves an underdog story. Uh, resiliency, I absolutely love it. Um, some people are just cut that way, but resiliency is is just beautiful. The ability to bounce back from misfortune or change. And last but not least, I think people that have grit have a passion. So passion for me, my passion comes from pain. And you know, my grandma, she died of lung cancer. So I'm passionate about lung cancer. Um, she died when I was young. So, I mean, I may be dating myself, but the first chance I had to do a book report, I did it on lung cancer because I wanted to figure out that. Um, I was a premature baby. So I'm passionate about anybody that tells me they're premature or anybody that tells me, hey, some of the things that kind of comes with being premature, I have a heart for that. And so I think that's some of the things, you know, as far as grit goes. But I think when you look at courage and resolve, strength of character, don't just think, hey, you have to go through all these different obstacles and life has to be bad. I think also, too, you could have grit if somebody says, hey, I believe in you. Hey, I trust you. You know, I have two kids, but if my kid tell when my kid says, hey, daddy, you can do it. Or, hey, daddy, I believe in you. That courage and resolve, strength of character, at some way along my journey, I'm going to come into grit. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we hear that word and we kind of put it in a box. Don't put grit in a box because I think more often than not, we all have a level of grit. It's just identifying what it is and, and being proud of it. But Grit is beautiful. It looks different on everybody, but that's just kind of really a high level overview uh, of grit to me. That's awesome. That's actually really good. Um, And even though you don't want to be put in the box, I think people just like to see so they could identify exactly, like you said, it looks different on people. It's like different clothes, right? Because one day you could have courage and resiliency. The other day you should just have passion because we're doing, like you said, you know, relating to people that through your experiences, right? But Joseph, tell us, you know, the time that you practice quit. What does that look like? Well, to me, it, it comes back. I'm going to date myself just like Jason said. I'm a really old guy. So my parents, um, they migrated from Cuba. 
back in my dad in 1955. He's passed away already and my mom in 1957. Um, one of the things that they've taught us in time, they taught me or my brother and sister as well is, um, doesn't matter who you are, what you are, where you are, nobody can take advantage of you. Nobody can talk you down. You fight till the end. And when you get tired of fighting, you fight some more. And you always stand up for yourself, believe in yourself, value yourself, create yourself. So they wore jobs in the USA for 25, 50 cents an hour back in them days. Come home with a $15 check. But they always managed to make it happen and put food on the table and clothes to the best of their ability. So throughout my time, um, my youth years and my later years, I was challenged with not being, let's say, the biggest, strongest, fastest, baddest kid around. So I used to have to stand up for myself and confront the people that would try to talk down to me because my parents weren't from here. The people that would say, you have nothing because I don't have the best shoes. The people that would say, your dad or mom drives that little beat up car because we didn't have any money. Any money. So then when I, when I understand grit and I understand on a physical aspect of it, I had grit all my life because I had no option. Either stand up or stay down. And there's nothing that's going to keep me down in life. But I value my grit or I treasure my grit based on the fears that I've encountered along my life. And I continue to push forward. I face grit on the failures that I've encountered in life and I've continued to overcome. I face my grit on the obstacles that I've had to overcome and I've managed to find that little grit again and get past grit. So grit isn't only a physical aspect. For me, grit is my mental approach to life and the things that I've had to overcome on a mental aspect because physical, it was easy. I knew what I had to do, but my mental aspect, after I tried to overcome that little bit of uncertainty space, how would I come up, wake up the next day and to continue to battle my mental approach and not fall into the depression, the uncertainty, the, you know, believing what they're telling me when I when knew I it was true, but I knew we could do better. So to me, grit is not only physical, it's mental. And the, the toughest things to get around in life, physical scars will heal. Mental scars at times take a lot longer and may never heal at times. So when we define grit, Jason brought up several valid points. Mine has always been my mental approach. What can I do to bring out that grit? And now today, resilience. I don't back down from anything, anybody, anywhere, however, whether it be mental, physical or anything. And that's what my parents taught me. And today I've managed to put it all together. And, and grit is what I like. I, I reference that word a lot because it's a tough word. But it's a valuable word to use when you really come that long way and you understand your journey of life. That's basically my grit. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that personal information, too. Um, Zava here, can you show us an example of grit and what does grit mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so grit to me, okay, is how much, you know, metal you have and how much iron in the metal you have. You know, that that's how, you know, my, my dad taught me and I have stories which are quite reflective and similar to what uh, Joseph, you know, uh, just narrated. So, you know, our narratives are almost similar. Uh, one thing my dad told me that, you know, uh, he had a tough uh, journey, you know, going to office, you know, changing two trains and things like that. It's very arduous in India those days, way back 40 years ago. And I used to see my dad day in and day out, consistent, persistent. Uh, you know, he's as tough as a bull. Uh, I, I don't think I can reach that level. So so grit, you know, yeah, I mean, so so grit to me uh, is, is, is all about, you know, the framework, the mental and the physical framework you have. Uh, and, and how strong is your framework to keep getting up you know, not high or low, just to keep getting up, you know, irrespective of the number of times, you know, circumstances, people and other things that bring you down. And my personal experience is, so it, it's it's all a mix of patience, uh, you know, perseverance, uh, tenacity, authenticity, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your mental makeup, you know, things like that, how inspired you are, you know, your values, that's one thing very important, the values and the teachings that you get, you know, from your, from your family, from your people. I was a very lean, emaciated kid. Uh, I, I was, the doctor said, um, you know, when I was, I think under 10 that, you know, he's going to have a tough life uh, because of, you know, respiratory problems. I ran in my grade nine and 10. I won, you know, the best athlete boy in college. I topped, uh, you know, and here I am doing things, uh, you know, where I never ever imagined. So, 
I, I believe in one very good quote that, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do by Robert Schuller. And it has always stayed with me. And I saw that, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of vendors who sell books at uh, somewhere near the financial capital of Mumbai, because I'm from Mumbai. And those days we used to get some amazing books. And when I was walking, you know, that thing really caught me. I think it was a red cover. And that really caught me. And I always use that uh, because time keeps flowing. You know, how good are you, you know, to blend with it and, you know, show your uh, metal, as I say. You know how much iron is left we all have as jason rightly said we all have grit we all have that that scaffolding that that framework mm-hmm. it, it's just that how much iron you want to pump you know in it you know to make you the best version of yourself uh, that's what it is so I, I say through 18 months more of unemployment you know earlier and that's where you know i decided to keep my focus so in short it's about embracing vulnerability it's about embracing the fear even when you're scared and, and, you know, you walk the path ahead and you see what happens. You know, that's what uh, grit is to me. So as Brene Brown says, you know, courage, you know, vulnerability is, you know, you have the courage to embrace it. And, you know, you embrace situations, you know, even when they, you know, hit on your face. So that's what it is to me. Wow. Gentlemen, I, okay, when you guys were talking about your experience with an example, one word that came to mind is stamina. I am not an athlete. If you get into like running, I'm like, I'll be your cheerleader. I'm like right here. Running is not happening. I will faint in you and you will call 911 on me. That's for sure. Because that's not happening. But from all your examples, like Jason was talking about courage and perseverance, add consciousness in there, right? And resilience and passion, right? But all of these things happen not all at once, but once maybe a combination of both. But the stamina, just like what Zavahir said and what Joseph said, to keep going when you're in that moment of like vulnerability and depressing thoughts, like, okay, I don't have a job. I don't I don't know where I'm gonna get these things, right? And when your kids are sick or when your kids are doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Right. So to me, if you were a leader and you're looking for someone's growth to to basically have grit, clarify your goals as a person and as a leader. I don't know. Discover your interest. What's your interest? All of our interest is to inspire others. Right. That's why we're here. And practice deliberately, really practice deliberately. Be intentional of your thoughts, of your actions, of your intentions. And the last thing, and I, I mean, the fourth thing is know your purpose. What yeah. is your purpose? And if you don't know it, don't feel bad. Keep looking, keep looking, you will find it, right? Know your purpose. And then practice. The last thing I want to be instrumental, like what Joseph said, practice optimistic self-talk. Absolutely. Because it's so easy to be negative. Oh, that's the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure that you know, uh, at least the human mind, you know, is not designed, you know, to add and multiply. It's you know more designed to divide and subtract. So how do you get into that, adding more and multiplying more of the positive thoughts? That also okay is a crit. You know, the, the mental makeup that you have, how strong it is. Yeah. So practice the optimistic self-talk and watch Joseph's everyday video. Yeah. That helps you. Like, yes, boom, no let's go. Um, no and I love it. I, I love, love your spirit, Joseph. I, I want to reflect on Zava here because the mind is programmed to take the easy route to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. So the consistent and repetitive action of programming it to tone, like I always tell everybody, prep the mind to perform on a daily basis and bring the best version of yourself on right. a daily basis. It's like even in athletes, high-level athletes practice every day. In uh, leadership, practice every day. Your personal life, practice every day because that will develop the habit. And when you don't do it, you'll feel bad. Oh, my God, I let myself down. And that's where the accountability comes in. Yeah. So the consistent and repetitive action of the high-level thought process will change your life dramatically. Absolutely. You're priming your brain. Yeah. So – Let's talk about failures. Joseph, take us there. Oh, my goodness. Failures. How many do you want me to tell you about? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the grit, the human centric. I'll tell you one of the failures that I had was back in the real estate crisis. 
I was on a rampage to purchase foreclosures. So I knew the world. I didn't want to hear anything. I knew it all. So I went in on a, on a certain amount of properties and I put down a certain amount of money. I revamped them. I put them back on the market. Lo and behold, the market never came around. So what I invested X amount of dollars, six, seven, eight months later, I lost basically 75% of the money that I invested. So I look back, I regroup myself, I re-strategize, I came up with different ideas, different techniques, different strategies that I wanted to implement. But one of the things that I didn't do was dwell on the fact that I lost X amount of revenue over six, seven amount period to hold me down. So that was one of my biggest financial failures that I've created for myself over so many years. And I still think about it today, but today I look at it and I laugh. Because I said to myself, man, what, just when I thought I saw, I, lo I, I knew everything, life shows me that that's not the way to go. That you have to be open to listening and learning what others were trying to tell you. And you just failed to realize that they were telling you to not go in and you didn't listen. So that was one of my biggest financial failures. My um, um, personal failures were when I was a younger guy, my, my thought process wasn't on par with where my purpose, my mission, my why. And like my dad always told me, define your give. It'll get you to your why. Mm -hmm. So my mission wasn't to give. My mission was to receive when I was a young teenager and into my early 20s. So that's my biggest failure in, in my personal aspect was until I didn't come around and understand that, that people first, relationships is the key to your personal and professional life growth that was one of the, the the toughest aspects of me of making that transition from the younger age joe to the today joe that understands my growth is within constant jason and zava here so those are two of the failures that i had in my life and they gave me a tough lesson to learn but you know what, you know what? that is my grit mental approach that i managed to get around to challenge me and to get me to where I am today. So to, those two are my personal failures and I will never forget those because they really hit me hard. And it was a, a time in my life where I had to manage my way around it, understanding that I knew what I was up against and I just had to buckle down and get around them. Those two are my failures. Awesome. For me, I think failure can be a positive element in life. And I'll tell you why. Failure builds character, okay? You keep failing, you're like, I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep going, right? I had, um, I think it's an Asian thing. Like, when I came here, I had a weak lungs because of pollution, where I came from and where I grew up. And I literally fainted three times when finally my school said, yeah, running is not your thing, right? It's just, just sit down and... So I just work out and I just keep working out. But by the time I was about 16, I started running until I could run about 15 miles a day. Um, and I did that. And I was like, wow, I can keep doing this. Um, but I never imagined myself that I could run. There's no way. Now today, no, I got back problems. So it's not happening. But it builds character. Failure builds compassion. Right. When you actually know like someone failed and they're really a cool person, but they just feel so down at the moment, it builds that compassion. Failure also builds resilience. Right. You learn. Hopefully you learn from your failure. Some of us don't keep the same thing. Failure builds creativity. You're going to find certain ways like okay, we can't do it this way. Maybe we could do it this way. The fear, actually, of failure is even worse than failure itself, right? Because we just keep stagnating. We don't really move forward. Um, and that's what I think of how failure can be a positive element in life. It builds creativity, builds resilience, builds your character, but do not fear failing because it's part of life. It's just how it is, right? You brought me up to a saying that I say, we can all confront, we can all be fearful at times, but we can never lead a life of fear. No, you can't. That's a huge difference. Right. Because we can encounter that's, that's going to happen in life. We're not superhumans or anything, but we can never continue to lead a life full of fear. No. And some of us do fear a lot of things. So yes. here, how do you create a failure with lessons learned from failing? Okay, so um, 
the way I see, you know, is failure is, you know, some, you know, sometimes you feel rejected. So, you know, I, I was I was going through a book years ago and it, it said, you know, you reject rejection and that's how I see failure. Uh, you know, so for me, now for me, you know, having amassed this level of maturity experience, uh, you know, the transactions that we have with people, the good and bad, you know, the emotional ups and downs, the emotional deposits and the withdrawals. Uh, you know, I, I let me give you a parallel. You know, you, you have a pencil, you know, it runs good, it's fine. The moment, you know, the lead shortens and that's how, you know, you see, you know, things coming, you know, down your way. You break a pencil, you know, and I see that, you know, when you break a pencil, it's like, you know, that's that's failing. But again, you know, when you sharpen both ends, the rough ends, again, you know, the lead grows back. So it, if you see this thing, you know, in a, in a very different way, these are experiences, you know, that teach you as long as you learn, it's not a failure. Okay. I also see failure as a myth, just like time management. You can't manage time. It's a phenomenon. So I, I see it that way. I see every... Um, uh, experience now, okay, as a transaction that happens and how much I can learn and not go back and not repeat the mistakes, as you said. So it, it to add to your the great response, Joseph and uh, Jason, failure, it also build, builds competence. And uh, that, that's very important, you know, how much of the uh, of the skill that you're developing. So I, I had a, a, uh, um, what do you say? Unfortunate, you know, series of um, uh, circumstances where you know I, I I lost my jobs, and then you know people think of you in the society if you're jobless, which means you're worthless, and that's the perspective people create. So I, I never saw it that way because these were all circumstantial. My job losses were circumstantial, and I'm being very open out here with no shame or fear. And I said, you know. Every circumstance, you know, teaches you something. And even currently in the year and now, I learned so much in the last uh, 15 months, which I would have never learned probably uh, ever if, you know, I had an important going in. Um, failure. So these circumstantial things that, you know, created job losses, you know, were so-called, you know, failures. But now, you know, when I, when I see back, you know, I what I learned, I didn't learn, how much I could have learned. All this, you know, keeps reflecting in my mind. Um, and I, I, as you said, you know, it builds resilience, it builds tenacity. And uh, to me, I don't see it as failure, failure per se. I just see it as another experience to grow ahead, develop, you know, your metal and, uh, you know, do your best. And that's what, because you got to be mentally strong today in these VUCA times. Uh, if I'm, because as they say, uncertainty is the new certainty. And you have to be prepared. You have to be balanced and alert. And if you allow these things to hit you, you're not going to get up. You know, it, it's going to be a sad thing. And as Joseph rightly said, you can't live a life, you know, with fear all the time. You have to take, uh, you know, risks with some intelligence, you know, with some guidance, some mentorship to move ahead and see. At the most, you know, you have a, you have a yes and a no. That's going to be the answer okay, of the outcome. So that's how, you know, I, I've put things in perspective for me. And that's how, you know, I'm going to tell my kid, this is how, you know, you need to view life. Jason, how do we get back up from failure when we feel defeated? That's a good question. Um, I think when life happens, you need to find that place of solitude. And that looks different for everybody. For me, I pivot to my faith. Um, that's the solitude where I could get the clarity that I need. But whatever place, whatever space and place it is where you can Find that solitude that will give you that clarity that you need to move forward so that you'll have that peace that you need. So whatever decision you make next, you can live with. I think that's the best recipe. And I think you also need to be cognizant of what voice you're listening to. Um, a lot of times we'll say, hey, block out the noise that voice or whatever clarity that comes to you, you need to make sure that it's the right clarity. And I think it, it, once you have that clarity, there's so much joy, there's so much uh, like a burden lifted when you're able to go ahead and, and move back. And, you know, a lot of times we're here to saying, you know, what's done in the dark 
or be brought to light. And so many times that's a negative connotation, but I think it's a positive, especially when you're talking about failure, because who you become in that process, the work that you put in and nobody sees, eventually everybody's going to see that when you come back and you level up and everybody says, hey, look, look what they've overcome. And it started in that place of that solitude. And I think finding that place of solitude, however it looks for you, find it, find it and embrace it. I love it. Yeah. Now we're going to move towards self-awareness, right? I want to actually read this um, quote that I found when I was teaching a class. It's from a psychologist, Shelley Duvall and Robert Wigland, and they define self-awareness as the ability to focus on yourself and how your actions, thoughts, or emotions do or don't align with your internal standards. So if you're highly self-aware, you can objectively evaluate yourself, manage your emotions, and align your behavior with your values, and then understand correctly how others perceive you. And I think we, in this conversation, we are amazing, actually, very self-aware of our own actions, reactions, the lack thereof, and the more that we can provide for other people. And I think we provide lots of tools on this conversation by um, focusing on yourself, reflecting on your behavior and how you're going to level up, like Zavahir said, not necessarily move up, move up, but daily move up yourself, right? And have your own self-standard and reflect on, on what you need to do. Um, there's a lot of things. I mean, even Harvard was talking about like being self-aware, you know, do a diary, um, meditate. And for you, you need to kind of reflect on your failure and go through um, what your spirituality is. Right. And however you want to do that for yourself, however you want to be self-aware of what you're doing, being self-aware to me is a skill that is necessary for you as a person, not just as a leader, for you as a parent, for you as a friend, for you as a partner or a spouse, right? For you as a, as a team lead, for you as whoever, you need to be self-aware of your own strengths, your own weaknesses, how you can have an opportunity to grow. And definitely my composition is my threat. This face cannot hide when I'm upset or happy. It just, I tried. I do poker, I lose all the time. I just cannot concentrate to not be smiling when I don't have the right card. So I always lose. So I said, okay, that's my 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 own failure. But I'm not fearful of that because I can't lie. You don't need a lie detector test to ask me questions. I'll tell you. Um, but I think that's being self-aware is a great tool for everyone to have um, so that you can reflect on what your thoughts are, how you could do it. And obviously, some people don't do diary. They have a mental diary, not necessarily mm. write it down. But I think after I contracted COVID, I can honestly say my short-term memory literally, like, gone. I don't know what to tell you guys, but I'm trying to take vitamin D. It's just gone, right? Um, so hopefully, we can be self-aware and become self-aware through our own actions. What are your thoughts on that, Jason? So I think you have to have an open mind. You have to have an open heart. Uh, you have to have that level of honesty. Be honest with yourself because sometimes being self-aware, you're going to have to have a crucial conversation with yourself. You may not like what comes out, but it will be the best thing for you. I think when it comes down to how other people see you, you need to remain humble. You need to have a good attitude and you need to know that Sometimes the space and place that people are, are telling you it's for your own good and kind of what Joseph alluded to, you know, earlier on, it's so hard, especially when you think, you know, everything or you just feel like, hey, I have this figured out. Be humble because there's a lie and there's so much wisdom in other people and everybody wants to help you succeed. But sometimes we are our biggest enemy and that self-aware is. It's pivotal. But I think if you're humble, you have an open mind, open heart, continuous improvement is a part of your DNA, I think, and character and, and just a good attitude. 
that all helps towards self-awareness. Awesome. Sava here, anything to add in that? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely brilliant, both of you. Um, well, uh, self-awareness, okay, is, is, is a huge, um, I think, area of continuous, continuous, and I'm saying that twice, uh, you know, to be deliberate about it. Um, so it's, it's an area of continuous, continuous improvement. Uh, self-awareness to me is about looking inward, you know, and that is what spirituality is all about. People have different ways and tools and methods, you know, to be self-aware. Um, so as, as, as Jason uh, rightly said, you know, first things first is, you know, you need to be in that silos, you know, to, to reflect on everything, you know, that is happening. Uh, you know, you need to be like that continuous radar, you know, the beacon goes on and on and on. So one is, you know, to, to me, self-awareness is about looking inward because that is my um, ethos of spirituality. Uh, it's about connecting, you know, to your consciousness. Uh, it's not about being alert. We are all alert. Most of us are alert. But it's all about, you know, staying as close to the conscious realm of your mind. Uh, you know, the, the, the memory, the imagination that happens, because these are the two biggest things that, you know, you need to control uh, if you want to move from chaos to clarity, uh, as what, you know, Jason said. So just trying to extrapolate Jason from, you know, your great insights. Um, practicing gratitude is very important. I think in all of this, it to me, it is a heart because there's so much that comes out of it because it's ultimately, you know, a matter of sentiment. You're being grateful, which means you're being thankful and you're being kind of uh, appreciative of, you know, the things that come to you and the daily things that you do when you, you're alive. Um, how close you are and not losing yourself, you know, in the worst possible situation is, is self-awareness. So as, you know, going back, you know, to leadership, because that's where we started from, knowing yourself from the inside out is very important. Knowing your people from the inside out as a leader because it is only then, you know, you, you kind of help your low performers or your weak performers transit, you know, from, from that level, okay, to another high level of performance. And uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of uh, John Bacon. He, he was a great, you know, hockey coach uh, from, for the Huron School, you know, the Michigan State. And an amazing, inspiring leader. And he said, you know, if you know your people, you know, right deep down in their heart, you know, you can convert your grinders, you know, to your topmost stars, you know, and stellar performers, uh, you know, and, and with this kind of an ethos, he actually brought, you know, the entire team from a zero rating, you know, to a fourth rank, uh, you know, within Michigan State and, you know, 53rd, you know, in US. So, you know, these are things that I think, you know, we can learn uh, from, from leaders, you can learn from your circumstances, and um, never to lose yourself, you know, in whatever happens, because again, that reflects your grit, and how good you know your your consciousness is. So in in closing, uh, if I may put it very humbly, to me it's all about trying to be in the state of alertness, balance, some calm, some equanimity. You know to, to kind of you know keep yourself in that equilibrium, uh, so you don't lose yourself because so many things coming at you every day. You don't know what's going to hit at you. Uh, and Constance, as you said, you know you had COVID, short-term memory impacted a lot of people. You know lost a lot of things physiologically mentally emotionally and you have to really work very hard so i think if 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 you have the daily practice of gratitude thankfulness uh you know you're constantly in touch with yourself as simple as that i think it'll help you to sail through all these uh, you know difficult times joseph take us out what is going on with how you feel about self-awareness well, self-awareness, it's its an interesting topic because like Jason and Xavier said, everybody will, will look into self-awareness in multiple ways. But one of the things that I found that I've been coaching folks on is um, their MBS, mind, body, and soul. If they're not aligned, because I can be physically tough and my mental approach to life is not aligned with my physical toughness, then I'm going to be out of balance or I'm not going to be in harmony. I don't like to use balance, but I'm not going to be in harmony. Just like I can be mentally tough and physically destroyed, my heart's not going to be in. 
so to me, it's always been about MBS, mind, body, and soul. So what I do when I coach is I use an exercise that everybody uses in a professional environment called the SWOT, S-W-O-T, Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. When you use that on a personal level, on a one-on-one coaching, they actually identify each one of those that I look at it in a document and I address it with them one-on-one or in an, or in an organizational environment, I'll pick and choose. They'll really get to understand where they're self-aware, where they're losing, where they're gaining momentum, what's what's against them, what's with them, and how they view their own self, their own self. So once I analyze those exercises, then we can hone in on finding that alignment with their mind, their body, and their heart, soul. That's how I go about my mind, body, and soul um, approach to life. And and it's interesting that everybody, we all come from, from different walks of life. And it's interesting how each one of us kind of like ties it into the same dynamic. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you see that not only have we understood the mind, body, and soul aspect, but everybody uses certain techniques that brings them or aligns them and puts their self in harmony with the aspects of what self-awareness is. But you'd be, you'd be surprised how many don't understand or don't know how to get to be self-aware during these tough times and that's where it's always good to have somebody there to hold you accountable and maybe guide you to find that that self-awareness so that's my aspect on self-awareness i want to end that with self-awareness is about observing and i like what you guys all think about and what you actually said because it does come in three things i see it as a triangle and i just taught the self-awareness class last night with my team um There's three things in self-awareness, patterns of thought, being aware, right? Explain what happens to you, your own self-talk, patterns of emotion. Like you said, the heart, how well do you understand your own moods, your own emotion when I'm angry, when I'm sad, when I'm, you know, it's hard to be self-aware sometimes when you're angry, quite honestly, I have to have certain tools. Like I tap my thing. I'm like, okay, CJ, do not say a word to your children that you would like to say right now, but you're going to regret later because you're hurting their emotions. And I've done that in the past. And, but my kids were little, they don't understand what I was saying, but now that they're 18 and 15, I'm going to hurt them. So being aware, part of my patterns of my emotions, being aware when I'm angry and I bite my tongue and I walk away and I tell my kids, do not follow me. You will regret it. Do not follow me. I need five minutes of my time right now. Do whatever I need to do my yoga, right? And then patterns of behavior. Do you understand Do you understand why you tend to act the same way in certain situations? I shut down when someone actually hurts my feelings. Instead of me screaming, I shut down. And I just like my whole body just like I'm not even having this noise right now. Because I don't want to go to that level where I get sad. I'm a very super sensitive person. So if something bothers me, I always try to take care of it. Because my patterns and behavior is that I shut down. So then I have to come up with the tools. Like, how do I not shut down when there's a conversation that I don't like? Right? So just having that patterns of thought, patterns of emotion, and patterns of behavior. Like you said, mind, heart, and soul. So I really Mm -hmm. love that. Now, I wanted to thank everyone for being here, and I wanted to close this conversation. And I thank you. Like, I know it's quite a while now, but do you guys have any last thing for a leader out there who might be watching um, our conversation about grit and and human-centric leadership and failures and self-awareness? What would be your last um, information that you would like to say, Joseph? For me, it's simple. People who are prophets. Understand everybody has a life just like you and give them the ability to be free. Free meaning just let them be themselves. Let them bring the best version of themselves and you'll, ha- you'll see the, tran- the transformations that 99.9% of the people will make and they'll add value to the organization if you just let them be free. Awesome. Thank you for that. How about you, Jason? I think for me, um, I'm going to pivot a different way. I think with grit and resiliency, people need to keep in mind, you're not going to be the same person going into the storm as you are coming out of it. And I think that also, too, whatever storm you go through, if you see, if you see somebody else going through something similar, be kind. Go help them out. That wisdom that you learned in the storm that you went through, go add value and help them lend that helping hand. Thank you. It's over here. Yeah, sure. I mean, 
it, I mean, in closing, humbly, I just put it as, you know, as, as a leader, as, as a heart-centric leader, or whatever your, you know, principle is, one is, you know, you, you lead with trust. So I'm just going to circle back with, you know, what I said, because there isn't anything, you know, like trust. It, it's a foundation, you know, of all relationships. Um, you build your team more on the values and less on the victories, and you embrace vulnerability as a leader. And lastly, you know, the more you give, the more you get, because you inspire with a purpose and that kind of, you know, sums up everything. Thanks, Constance. Awesome. Um, thank you for that, guys. I I just want to sum up that if you are a leader out there, be compassionate. You don't know what people are going through right now. Yes. They might be smiling in your face. They might yep. be up and jolly. Yep. But you don't know if they're really thinking alone by themselves. Yep. Right? You don't know if they're mentally um, just no capacity. They're physically sick. They're going through that. But most of all is always continuously to improve and collaborate. Absolutely. This does not happen right here if we don't collaborate. And I love the people that you guys have a passion for helping and inspiring the world and inspiring others. Because at the end of the day, what's your skid mark? What have you done? I don't care how much money you have. What have True. you done for the human being? What have you done for True. the humankind? You created True. little people. Okay, I get it. But what have you actually done other than that? Right? And also pay attention to your children because they are the future. Absolutely. When we get old and we are dilapidated and we can't do it and they we're not training them to do better than us, we're in trouble, guys. Absolutely. We're in trouble. Yeah. Right? I mean, as I always say, you know, that you know, leader, you know, as a leader, it's not about you know doing, doing, and doing. It's more about you know taking care of your being because if you take care of your being, the doing happens. Yeah, and I, I love that you guys are here and I Thank you so much for being here, and hopefully Thank we can you. do this again. Absolutely, an enriching yeah. moment. Thanks. I mean, it's it's really awesome, learning great value, you know, to everyone out here. And you know, just want to thank you, Constance, uh, for you know creating such a beautiful platform out here today. Joseph, Jason, some awesome, you know, breathtaking insights. Boom! Yeah. Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. Ready? Yeah. Boom. Boom! Good job, guys. Awesome job. <laughs> Bye, Lincoln. Jason. Good day today. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast or have questions, email me at leveluppbydocleland at gmail.com. Docleland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. I will see you soon in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.